0: This is the Current Federal Tax Developments for the week of August the 22nd, 2022. Current Federal Tax Developments are brought to you by Kaplan Financial Education and by your state, Society of CPAs. I'm Ed Zollers, and this week from here in Phoenix, we're going to talk to you about a few things. First, we have the official signing into law of the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. We'll talk about the effect of that, the effective date, as well as some of our first guidance coming out this week. We have information on the electric vehicles for 2022 released by the Treasury, the IRS, and the Department of Energy. So we'll take a look at what qualifies, what doesn't, take a look at that background. We're also going to briefly discuss, because there's a little bit of confusion, it's a little messy here, the status of the plug-in vehicle credit for the remainder of 2022, what changed and what didn't on August 16th as well as what the upcoming changes are going to be for 2023. So if you have a client interested in electric vehicle credit, there's a lot of things, a lot of balls in the air right now that you need to be watching to see when the most appropriate time to come in might be. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Finally, we'll talk about the fact that the IRS released a sample written information security plan for tax professionals. We'll talk about why they're doing that, Uh, why there's been a lot of concern about they didn't really have an example, so this gives you a draft plan to work with. We'll get a little bit of discussion about how all of that runs up. But let's talk about the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. And as I noted last week, we knew it had been passed by the House and Senate, but we did not yet have a signature on the bill. As we discovered at the end of 2020, sometimes presidents change their mind and then in that case, change their mind again, about signing a bill. So, to quote Yogi Berra, it's never over till it's over. Well, now it's over. The bill has been formally signed into law by the president. So that takes care of the last step necessary to bring the provisions of the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 into the law. The date of enactment is August 16, 2022. Date of enactment is important lots of times in bills because certain things in the bills, quite often when you read about them or you read the initial write-ups before there is a signature on the bill, you'll find out that certain things you'll be told are effective as of the date of enactment or for certain activities as of or after the date of enactment. So it's always important to realize what that date of enactment is. Quite often now, the summaries will go back and rewrite the date to say that it is August 16th instead of saying date of enactment anymore. But if you have an older one, you know, like you got a write-up, for instance, Thomson Reuters, I subscribe to Checkpoint, Thomson Reuters put together a summary, you know, a quick summary of the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 back on the 9th of August. Well, that one, pretty much we knew what that one told us. That's when it came to the Senate. But everything there says date of enactment because we didn't know for sure when the House would pass it. And we certainly didn't know once the House passed it when the President would sign the bill. The biggest impact in this bill among things I think that will matter for most of your clients that is tied to the date of enactment is the requirement to have final assembly in the United States if you're buying a car or you're placing in service a car under the plug-in vehicle credit. For the rest of 2022, generally, if the you did not have a binding contract to acquire the vehicle by October, by August, I should say 15th, then you have to meet this assembled in final assembly in United in the North America, not United States, but North America. So if you have that, if they meet that North American requirement, then everything's fine. If not, well, your you know the credit doesn't work. Because of that, we actually very quickly on the 16th had some additional information come out. The United States Treasury on their web page posted a document that gave us information on the credit. That information or that web page is at home.treasury.gov/news/press-releases/jy0923. What that page looks like, we can go ahead and take a look at that on our screen. This is the basic document we've got here, and it just tells you what it really has is links to a couple of things. But this page links us to the two pieces of guidance we'll talk about here in a second that the IRS has released in this area, along with the Department of Energy's list of vehicles whose final assembly is in North America, and a link to the National Transportation Safety Administration's vehicle VIN uh basically tool that allows you to confirm exactly where this particular vehicle was built because sometimes it turns out that car makers believe it or not have more than one plant and more than one plant that produces a particular model of vehicle obviously if some of those are in north america and some of those aren't well if your vehicle came from a plant that's not in north america now it's not going to work for this credit so, you have to verify with the VIN uh, on the VIN site hosted by the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration that your particular vehicle did have final assembly in the US. So, that takes care of that one in that regard. Right? The, you know, it does point to the IRS data, which includes a web page with information. What the IRS has is a web page that on it has a lot of this information we can go ahead and take a look here at the IRS's webpage on the broadcast version. And I'm going to, for those of you here on the broadcast, going to try to uh, make this a little bit bigger. If I didn't go the wrong page, it would help. Let me see if I can increase the size that we have here. So we've got it. And you'll see this page discusses the new final assembly requirement. Uh, as well, which tells us about that with the links to the Department of Energy site. We'll visit here in a second. And the VIN decoder from the National Highway Transportation, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Also, we're going to talk about the transition rule. Mentioned that already. If you have a written binding contract, uh, you know, you have a way to use the old rules, which would get you out of the final assembly requirement. So you can go ahead and you could get that BMW Right. That qualified for the credit, but it was not being assembled in the U.S. So you could make that work, but only if you had your contracts in effect before August 16th. Uh, as discovered, if the ones between August 16th and December 31st, as we've mentioned, those vehicles are going to basically still be comply with the stuff to comply with the rules we had in place prior to this act. Which means that you know we have issues where Tesla and General Motors, their vehicles don't qualify because they went over the unit sales limitations and we've now gone through the whole phase out period on them. But you know, we'll have that in place. But with the final vehicle rule, you may also find that some of those that previously worked don't. So we don't add any vehicles here with the with this bill for the last part of 2022. We take some off the table. Next year is more complicated. We'll discuss that here in a second. We probably, we will add some vehicles will now qualify that didn't. Some vehicles won't qualify that did. And other vehicles, we have a question as to whether enough battery components and critical minerals can be put together from the North American locations or areas where we have a free trade agreement in order to qualify those vehicles. That'll be an interesting issue. We also have on this IRS page, a discussion of what is a future binding contract. Uh, you know, it basically is binding if it's enforced under state law, does not limit damages to a specified amount. So it's not a binding contract, which is what's important here. If you have merely put down a refundable deposit, On that BMW electric vehicle, uh, you know, that's not going to count. It's not even going to count if you have forfeiture of the deposit. You had to have a contract in place that requires you to actually buy the vehicle, go through the purchase. So it's not just a reservation that you could back out of, or a deposit you could be refunded, or even a deposit you lose in the reservation structure. You have to be legally obligated. Finally, the IRS at the bottom of this talks about their uh, future guidance on this, which is they're going to have to issue guidance that relates to many things in this bill. And, you know, they're telling you they plan to post information over the next few months. Keep your eyes on it. This webpage also then will summarize the Pre-Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, 2022 information. So if you have any clients whose vehicles were, they had their contract in place before August 16th, or they actually took delivery before that date, then you'll be able to work out what they need to do and how that's going to work. So that's all on the IRS's website with regard to those issues. Okay. They also published a two-page FAQ. And the IRS's two-page FAQ, we'll show you this one here, this is their frequently asked questions, right, over this issue. And it's only a couple of pages. It has a quick summary about what's modified the rules and also how it's going to go. So the things that are different and when they become different. You know, they talk about how you you determine if a vehicle's final assembly occurred in North America. Claiming the credit, which is pretty much how we asked before. Uh, The binding contract issue and how they do that. And the other catch, as they note the change, if you take, if you purchase and take possession by the end of 22, uh, but you purchase it after August 16th, the final assembly in North America rule is in effect. So you will have to qualify under that. And then they discuss the new guidance to come. The two page one here is pretty useful. If you have a confused client for a second, at least point them to the right paragraph there if they are considering doing it because that's going to be the biggest single thing that's going to be coming on from all of this. Uh, You know, we have all of that going on. Whoops. There I go. Wrong thing. I clicked on this and now I lost it. So let me go ahead and try to get myself back up to the full screen version. So you guys can actually see your slides as you're used to seeing them. I clicked clicked on the wrong thing. That's never good. So the Department of Energy now has now has released a list of vehicles with final assembly in North America. This is from the Alternative Fuels Data Center on the U.S. Department of Energy website. It was posted on August the 16th. It has a list of vehicles that qualify as having final assembly done in North America. At least some. As I said, very much is true in this case. We may have a plant in, you know, maybe two plants in the U.S., like Tesla has one in California in the Bay Area, also has one in Austin, but they also have assembly plants elsewhere in the world. At this point in time, assuming Tesla cars qualified, which they don't for 22, but let's say in 23, they're going to qualify. You still going have to determine that your car came, was produced in a U.S. plant, not one of the overseas plants in order to qualify for the uh, credit. One warning, we'll take a look at this Department of Energy website here in just a second, but warning, it includes vehicles that don't qualify due to the sales cap. Now, it tells you that, but some people may go to that page, especially if you send clients there, and would just assume, oh, if a car is on this list, it qualifies. Well, no, it doesn't. It may not qualify at all. Here is the Department of Energy's page. It talks about this, you know, gives us a list of vehicles with final assembly in North America, and follows on then with a the table, first listing the 22 model years, beginning with the Audi Q5 and even a Beamer that, you know, two BMWs that meet it here. Now, you'll note that if you look at this table, when we get to the Chevrolet Bolt, the EUV and the EV Chevrolet Bolt. You'll, in the note column, you'll see "manufacturer Sales Cap Met. Any vehicle in this table that says "manufacturer Sales Cap Met it does not qualify for the credit for the rest of 22, not because it is not assembled in the U.S. or in North America. They are. The problem is the vehicle sales cap, which Tesla and GM have gone over, does not go away until January 1st of 23. So these cars, if they otherwise meet the requirements, in theory, on January 1st, 2023, they could qualify. So it would be something, as I said, like the Chevy Bolt, uh, the Hummer pickup and SUV. Right, looking at those things, the Tesla Model 3, Model S, Model X, Model Y. Those all conceivably could be ones that meet the requirement. Again, we have a couple of other cars in there. But if your client right now has not, did not have a binding contract to buy an electric vehicle... But what's their credit this year? You know, they're going to go out and try to get a credit on it. Well, they have to buy one of the cars in this list now and take delivery by the end of the year. That does not say manufacturer sales cap met. Okay. Finally, at the end of this page, the IRS sends, or the, we well, should say they send you on to the National Highway Transport, Transfer, Trans, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration website which has the VIN page to a specific vehicle that particular page which you're linked to is you know we'll take a look down here you'll see the VIN decoder you'll go out to that page and this is what the VIN decoder looks like right get that you would of course go in there and what you'll do is you'll go to the link you'll enter the whole VIN into the VIN decoder click decode the vin and it will return for you as it shows here information including where the vehicle was assembled as i noted if you want a credit that vin has to come back as assembled in north america essentially canada united states or mexico are where the vehicles can be assembled if it's you know if you find it's assembled anywhere else that vehicle will not qualify for the credit despite the fact it may be on the list because that manufacturer has some vehicles that are manu- that are basically have final assembly in North America. I suspect the manufacturers will start biasing toward, you know, only stocking North American uh, final assembly vehicles in their U.S locations, since of course, that's the only one that's going to qualify for the credit but here in the interim as they're moving out may have some old inventory in there you may find a few vehicles sitting around that don't qualify for this credit so keep your eye on what's happening there right that's the way that we ha- or deal with that particular issue okay now let's talk about what's now you know where do we stand on this let's do the quick overall summary because we've talked a lot about the provisions we've talked about them basically but it's probably best to step back for a second and just discuss where are we right now with electric vehicles first thing is unless your client has a contract at a binding contract and that means one that requires them to purchase not just one that means they put down a deposit they could ask back they could ask to be returned or even a deposit that they've agreed to forfeit if they don't go forward but that's essentially their liquidated damages is just forfeit at this point. If they didn't have one of those contracts that gives them no option but to go forward by August 15th, then they need to find a vehicle on the Department of Energy's list that does not say the manufacturer has, you know, met the sales cap. So again, the non-GM, non-Tesla vehicles on that list, if they can buy, acquire, take delivery of one of those, by the end of the year, they qualify, which is generally good news. Because the big thing is remember, prior to the end of the year, there is no modified adjusted gross income limit. Remember that limit we talked about last week if modified adjusted gross income for a married couple filing a joint return is over $300,000, if it is over, in this case, uh, $225,000 for a head of household, filer or $150,000 for a taxpayer who is filing as single or married filing separate, well, then you've blown the limit. There's also the manufacturer suggested retail price limit next year. Some of the cars on that Department of Energy list have manufacturer's suggested retail price in excess of $80,000 for trucks, SUVs, and vans, or $55,000 for any other vehicle if it's over that limit it doesn't qualify. Also next year we end up running into the critical minerals requirement. That says that for a whole laundry list of minerals there is a minimum percentage by value for that mineral that must in the that must be in the battery that's used to power the car that came from sources either in the United States or from a country the US has a Free trade agreement with and also cannot come from certain blacklisted foreign entities. That or that one actually goes a little bit further down the line. We also have a battery component requirement. That is the value of the batteries, the value of, of the separate components of the battery. If we add up the value of those components, major components of the battery, uh, at least a specified percentage of those must come from again, the U.S. or a country that we have a free trade agreement with, and the similar problem about the fact that, you know, if it comes from a, basically one of those blacklisted foreign entities, uh, that also will eventually blow it. So, you know, if those are going to block you next year, then you're trying to get the credit in for this year. However, there are some differences in 2023 that might enable you to claim a credit that you can't claim this year. The big one there is the cap on total unit sales goes away. So Tesla and GM vehicles may qualify. Now I say may, because remember, that table does not consider what the manufacturer suggested list price is going to be for all of those vehicles. It also doesn't tell us uh, whether or not, you know, what's the makeup of the batteries and whether they can meet the requirements to have their vehicles still qualify or if that's going to be a problem. Certainly there are some people, at least some stories have suggested, that those could become significant problems To that will serve as a cap on the number of vehicles that will qualify for this credit, just because there's only so much of the materials that can be produced in a location that's okay per this credit. So we'll have to take a look at how that goes. 2023 also gives us the used vehicle credit. Now that one, of course, is going to be, it's gotta be at least two, the model year of the car must be two years less than the calendar year of the year in which you're attempting to file for the credit. So next year for 2023, that means you'll be looking at 2021 and earlier vehicles that qualified for the plug-in vehicle credit if you buy them then you'll be able to potentially qualify for an up to four thousand dollar credit but remember the modified adjusted gross income limits on that one are much lower hundred and fifty thousand dollars for married filing joint hundred twenty five thousand dollars rent of household seventy five thousand dollars for a single or married filing separate taxpayer as well the maximum you can pay for that vehicle is twenty five thousand dollars and the individual claiming the credit cannot be eligible to have been claimed on someone else's return. That I am sure is to prevent parents from you know looking to subsidize the kid's car by transferring various items of income there, you know, so cheap tax comes in at zero tax using the credit. In essence, that's not going to work. The kid has to be able to support themselves. Now, interestingly enough, there is no such similar rule for the new vehicle credit nor even, or for the business credit. Now the commercial vehicle credit, this one is interesting for next year, but be careful here. You and I both know that clients love to say, oh yeah, I'm going to use this vehicle in my business. And in reality, you begin to want, you know, you, you look at it and go, that's not what you did. And the problem is it's not clear how the courts and how the IRS is going to handle the situation. If you place this thing in service, right? And yeah, I mean, we have all kinds of potential problems there. In theory, though, if it's qualified, if you actually have a business use for the car, then yeah, you can get the full $7,500 credit. It's actually simpler in some ways to get it for that. Uh, You can get that it goes against your income if you qualify for that. And there is no limitation there based on taxable income, this could go, this could be a physician that has a million dollar plus net pr- practice netting him or her a million dollars plus per year, that could still qualify to get the same500 credit. If that physician can establish, and we all know this is the big, if they can establish a true business use for that vehicle in their practice. Obviously documenting that's going to be key. You may want to talk with your clients about that option, though, because I guarantee you the car dealer is going to talk to them about that option. So you might as well have the conversation now. Finally, let's take away from the Inflation Reduction Act, and let's talk about the IRS-issuing Security Summit releases new data security plan to help tax professionals. New WISP simplifies complex area. This is IRS News Release, IR 2022-147 issued on August the 9th. Now, this outlines the need for a security plan for any tax professionals. That's, again, we've been told that. We know we're supposed to have one. But I have heard a lot of CPAs whine about the fact, well, do you have a sample one? You know, what am I supposed to do? I don't understand. What do I do? What should be in there? So the IRS now has given us a sample plan, right? You can download it online, the written security plan or WISP, It is a 29-page document and sample plan. And if I go here, here is the plan. I can take it back to the start here. Now, this is a document creating a written information security plan for your tax accounting practice. But you'll notice in the table of contents a number of interesting things. First thing is you'll notice here on page 5, continuing on to page 13, there is a sample template. So basically a sample security document that could be used now obviously it has sections you're supposed to customize for your practice you don't want to just adopt what's there also they have additional things to consider when creating your So they walk you through that and finally they have sample attachments that you might want to have as part of your wisp plan even if it's not directly in the document there itself so if you just want, though, to take a look and let's say with the sample template tells you essentially how to write this particular, uh, you know, this particular document, what to do. And, you know, if you want to just copy that and then start modifying it, that's what the IRS has designed that for. The reason we want to have this obviously is the IRS is concerned because tax preparers hold a lot of very sensitive tax information for the clients. And so the IRS is concerned that we don't end up just handing that out or accidentally losing control of that. So they want us to have some sort of written plan in place and enforce the plan. By the way, that's the other side effect. This written plan will hang you if you don't actually follow it, because that will be proof that you were being reckless and didn't care because you outlined this plan and then you ignored it. So in many ways, It's actually probably better not to have a plan, which is technically illegal right now, but it's probably better not to have a plan than to have a written plan that you're just going to ignore. It's not just photocopy these pages, stick them in a binder somewhere, and then ignore them because, you know, there's a whole bunch of garbage and we shouldn't have to deal with any of this stuff. Uh, You know, you're going to want to make sure your plan is something you're really doing. Otherwise, it may, on discovery in litigation, prove far more harmful than helpful at that point well this has been the current federal tax developments for the week of august the 22nd 2023 2022 i should say i'm kicking one year ahead of time current federal tax developments is brought to you by capital financial education and your state society cpas I'm Ed Zollers. you can email me Zollers at current com if you have any questions i also take a look at the connect sites for arizona new jersey Minnesota, Illinois, and Washington. So, if you have any issues, you can look at there, as well as the question and answer site that's available on the Idaho Society of CPA sites for their members. Otherwise, yeah, it, it, it's an interesting week. It's, uh, you know, we got, we're obviously now well into the last month for the pass-throughs before we have to get those returns filed. And then, as I said, they come fast and furious because by next week, we'll be looking at less, we'll be looking at coming up on 30 days to get the trusts and estate income tax returns out. And then finally, of course, we come up on the individual deadline on October 15th. And after that date, I get to go out and start doing a few, or I guess I do go to a couple of places, doing a lot more things now sitting back here in Phoenix. Again, not because I'm insisting I sit here in Phoenix, but because everybody is now asking for remote for the most part. Part of the reason is because travel these days, in addition to being a total pain, has become very expensive. So people decided, well, you know, we got by with this during the pandemic, so we'll just keep getting by with it. And also some people just have discovered they like remote learning better than they like coming down to the classroom somewhere and sitting through all day. So as I said, we'll be looking at that, but hopefully we'll have something next week, you know. August is always slow in D.C., and especially since this bill got finished. I'm not sure if we're going to have a whole lot next week, but whatever we do, if we have something, we'll try to bring it up, discuss it, and we'll go through that week here of current federal tax developments.